Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. All right, so today we're in the second week of our sermon series called In the Beginning. And remember, what I'm attempting to do in this series is to give all of you a basic understanding of the two different creation stories that we have in our Bible, with the overall goal being to not only help you read and understand these stories for what they proclaim, which is absolutely uh, magnificent, but also to help you begin to see that all the fighting that has been going on between science and religion for the past 300 years or so really isn't necessary. Because if you can learn to read these stories for, for what they are and what they actually proclaim, you can actually have your cake and eat it too when it comes to science and religion. In fact, um, I would say that, that science becomes this tool that we can use as Christians um, to see not only how incredible our, our God is, but to see how God is at work all around us all the time. Now, if you remember back to last week, what we discovered by examining pre-creation day one, day two, and day four is that it's quite clear that the first creation story was not written to give us a scientific account of how God created the universe, but instead was written as an ancient description of the creation of the world, which looks something like this. So as you guys can see, the way the ancients believed or the, the way the ancients saw the world is that first of all, it was flat. And you guys remember this in your ancient history. The world was flat. The second thing that they believed was that there was an actual dome that went over the earth. So the earth was flat and there was a dome. And then above that dome was the waters. And the reason they believed this is why. It's what it looks like, right? If you don't have the technology, if you can't go beyond what you see with your normal eyes, this is what it looked like in the ancient world. They also believed that the sun, moon, and stars weren't these distant things that were somewhere way out there. But in fact were things that were actually contained in the firmament, in the dome, the rakia, which is what the word is. And so when you look across the ancient world, this is what everyone believed. Even in our creation story, the first creation story that we're looking at, this is what they believed. Now, this is not a bad thing, as many people think. When I first saw this, I thought, oh no, my, my whole worldview almost fell apart when I did this. It's not a bad thing. It just means that the truth to be found in this story is not going to be found in scientific form, but it's going to be found in the theological or in what this story has to tell us about our world, where we fit, and who our God really is, which is exactly what we're going to be getting into today. So do you guys think you're ready for this part of it here? Come on now. So, before we get into all of that, I need to give all of you a bit of wisdom on how to read the Bible well. So, what I have heard many biblical scholars say in regards to how to read the Bible well is that as modern people reading ancient documents, and you have to remember, some of these stories that we have in our Bible are over 3,000 years old, right? 3,000 years, it stretches. And so, what we have to keep in mind while reading these stories is that the Bible was written for us not to us. Think about that for a moment. The Bible was written for us, not to us. 
And what scholars mean by this when they make this statement is that it's clearly the case that the Bible was written for us because within these pages of this inspired book, we find the teachings of God and the way of salvation. And if you don't believe me, sit down and read this book and see what happens to you. I mean, it's absolutely amazing what will happen to you. But it's also the case that these documents were not written to us or were not written to you and I in the year 2020 at the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas but instead were written in a particular time and place addressed to particular people for a particular purpose, which ultimately means to really understand the depth and the truth that Scripture proclaims, we not only need to have a basic understanding of the time and place that it was written, but we also need to have a gist of why and to whom it was written. I mean, it's, it's like any text that you've ever read. You think about um, reading Shakespeare or something like that. You need to have a knowledge of some Elizabethan... Elizabethan English to kind of understand the words and all that stuff. It's, it's the same thing. So, again, reading Scripture well, what you have to keep in mind is that the Bible was written for us, not to us. For us, not to us. Okay, is everybody okay at this point? All right. Okay, so now that you've got your mind wrapped around all of that, you're now ready to get into theological truth that this story is proclaiming, which is absolutely phenomenal. So, what many argue is really going on in the first creation story is, again, not a scientific account of the creation of the world, but instead is a revolutionary story given within its time and place to set the record straight about the true nature of our world and who God really is. And the reason why many think this is because when you begin to compare all the other different ancient creation stories with what we find in the Bible, not only do you find a whole lot of similarities, and there's a whole lot of overlap going on here, but most importantly, you'll find a whole lot of differences. And what these differences proclaim is a completely different understanding of God and the world. Or to put this into perspective, what you will find when you spend some time reading the other ancient accounts of the creation of the world from civilizations like Sumeria and Babylon and Egypt, which I know you guys do in your spare time, right? Is this something you guys do to fall asleep at night? Anybody? Is it just me that read these accounts? Oh, you guys, are, you're missing out. They're fantastic. So the first thing that these stories teach us is that at that time, there, were not, there was not just one God. There were many gods. And even though these gods had some power, none of them were all powerful. Next, what you will find is that these gods didn't really act the way you would expect gods to act. But instead, were more like fickle human beings who fell in love, had children, got jealous, cheated on their spouses, got angry, and went to war. Or were more like what you will find on soap opera and reality TV today than how we think gods are supposed to act. And then it didn't get any better when it came to the creation of the world and the creation of human beings. Because what these stories tell us about the creation of the world and human beings is that the way the world came about was not in this glorious thing where God speaks, but it came about because of a war between the gods. Or, for example, according to the Enema Elish, the Babylonian account of creation, which is one of the oldest stories we have in the history of the world, the way the world was created was when Marduk the high god shot an arrow that cut Tiamat, the god of the salt seas, in half, and then Marduk used half of her body to create the sky above, or the dome, and the other part to make the earth. Which means, according to this story, what most people thought in the ancient world was that the earth was nothing more than the rotting carcass of a dead god. Right? 
then what you will find with the creation of human beings is a bit more of the same, and that human beings were also created from the leftover parts of slaughtered gods. And then the reason humans were created was not out of love, because God wanted to have a relationship with them, but was because the gods, all of the gods were tired of doing menial tasks like raising and cooking food. And so the reason they made human beings was to be their slaves. Or, or, the, reason he, or the reason the gods created them is because they didn't want to do the work. They wanted to live on vacation. And I know all this stuff sounds absolutely crazy to you and I living two to 3,000 years later, but what you've got to keep in mind is that this is what most of the people in the ancient Near East believed about their gods and about the world they lived in, which in turn made their existence this very scary thing because they actually believed that they served these fickle gods whom they had to try to keep happy or else, and that this earth was not a beautiful thing created by a loving God, but the carcass of a dead God. And they also believed that the only reason they existed was to be slaves. Their lives really didn't matter. Or just take a moment to try to imagine how the world must have looked and felt for people who believed in gods like that. But then one day, the living and true God through this story that we know as the first creation story reveals to him and reveals to them in particular the Hebrew people the truth about who he really is. It proclaims in the beginning. When God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Or imagine what they must have felt when they learned that the creation of the world didn't have anything to do with gods at war, but everything to do with one all-powerful sovereign God taking this watery chaos and forming and shaping it into his masterpiece. And then discovering that the gods, the way that this God created, was not by fashioning the world out of the carcass of dead gods, but by simply speaking words. God said, let there be light. God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters. God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and let dry land appear. And God said, and God said, and God said, and it was so. And then discovering that not only does this God create the world by just speaking, but then on almost every day after he creates something new, he stands back and proclaims, it is good. Or I imagine him going, you guys seeing how amazing this is here? And then on day six, after he has finished his masterpiece, he steps back and goes, Man, this is very good. Do you see this creation I have just made? But where the story really must have transformed these people and set them free, which it does for us too, is when they finally get to the place where it talks about how and why God created humans. Because what they discover is that they were not created from the leftover parts of dead gods to be slaves, but instead were created in the image and likeness of an all-powerful loving God for the purpose of being in relationship with him and caring for his good world. God said, let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Now we just read this story like we have hundreds of times before, and we miss out on just how revolutionary these truths really are. Or just try to imagine how this revelation of who God really is, and in turn what the world is really all about, would have set these people free. 
And that no longer will they feel like they have to run around serving a bunch of fickle gods who really don't care about them, but now know that there are beings that are made in the image and likeness of God, or how this story, being encountered for the first time, would have not only changed these people's lives, but would have transformed everything about everything. And you guys are supposed to be standing up and clapping at this point because that is brilliant. Come on. Thank you. <laughs> I got to quit begging for stuff, right? So, so what you've got to see when you put this story into context is um, just how revolutionary, just how amazing this story really is. Because there was one way that the people thought about the world. And the way you think about God is the way that you act. That's just, that's the way it goes. And so enter this story, enter this revelation, enter this God's word. And they begin to understand God in a new way, which then transforms everything about everything. Which is also a truth, right? So we're not just talking about a revolutionary move that happened one time and we just kind of move on. This is also a truth that's, that's just as relevant today as it was in the ancient world. Because we now live in a world where people are proclaiming that there is no God. And it's happening more and more and more. And that this world that we live in is nothing but a freak accident brought about by, by chance, Right? So what this story proclaims even today in the midst of all of that is that this world that we live in didn't just happen by chance, but instead it was a world that was fearfully and wonderfully made by an all-powerful, good, and loving God as his masterpiece. And then as human beings, we're not just some random accidents, but instead are beings that have been lovingly created in the image and likeness of God. And all because what this God wants most is to love and be loved, or to live into a deep and abiding relationship with every single person he has ever created. Oh, come on now. So we, we, we have this, this story that God gave so many thousand years ago, and it, it absolutely transformed the world, so much so that we don't even think in those ways anymore, right? We, we, for, we forget or didn't even know about it. But even 3,000 years later, this story stands here and proclaims to us that this is not an accident. We didn't just happen upon this thing. No, this world, our lives were created with a purpose and a meaning. And part of that, a big part of that, is to be in relationship with him. And if that didn't move your soul, if that didn't get you fired up, then you're missing something. Because it doesn't get any bigger than that. Let us pray. Father, we come before you this morning. And there is no doubt when we first uh, hear these stories in new ways, different ways, that it takes us a little bit to kind of wrap our brains around what's really going on. But help us to see, O oh Lord, that, that in spite of all that, what you have done with this story is even bigger than we could have even imagined. In that this story, through this story, you proclaim who you actually are into the world. And so it changed and transformed people in the ancient world, which is something that it still continues to do every single day. So, Lord, as we walk out these doors today, help us to know that we are beings who have been created in your image and likeness. That you have created this world and that this world is good even though it is fallen. And that there is purpose and meaning and hope if we'll just listen. 
if we'll just follow. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.